Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. It feels so good to be here and to be in the house with you all. Oh, man. Balcony, how you doing? That's what I'm talking about, that over there, okay? Uh, it is great to be here. We want to welcome everybody online. Church, I don't know if you know this, we have people literally watching from around the globe. I want to welcome, check it out, I want to welcome our viewers in Fiji. I want to welcome our viewers in Canada. I want to welcome our viewers in Germany, our viewers in the Philippines. Come on. And even around the nation, I want to welcome our family up in Washington, our family watching in Oklahoma, out in Texas, in Florida, in Washington, D.C., and everybody else tuning in. We want to say welcome home to Restoration Life. We are glad you are here. You are just as much a part of this family as everyone here today, and we hope this message blesses you. Our lead pastors, they're out in Texas right now. They're helping out um, Pastor Eric and Pastor Jess. Uh, everybody knows they had a horrible storm that went through Texas. And so they're out there working on our church plant. Come on. And in addition to that, I know this morning they preached at Reclaim Texas, which is our sister church, Pastor Angel and Desiree Flores. So we send our love to them. We're excited for everything that God is doing in Texas. We got so much family out there. Um, and it's beautiful, like the new things that God is doing in the city of Austin through people that we know and love. So we send our love, we send our support to you guys, and we're excited to watch the growth of everything that happens out in Texas. I don't know for you, but for me, like seeing that storm made me think twice about Texas. I was like, that'd be cool to go to Texas. Like, nah, nah, I like, I'll deal with my brush fires, sorry. <laughs> oh man, we got some amazing things going on in Restoration Life Church. Fellas, hold up. Hold up, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna do that again. Fellas! That's what I wanna hear. It's, it's time for us to grow. It's time for us to be men of God. So every single man in this room, I expect to see you on March 15th. Locked in, ready to go. Going after the throne of heaven. We should rock this house in praise. Louder than you cheered for the Lakers winning, louder than you cheered for the Dodgers winning, we want to cheer for the victory that was given to us by Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's be there March 15th. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited for Good Friday coming. Listen, uh, it'll be up on the app very soon. So make sure that you go on to that and you register for your spot. There's no charge. We just got to have population control over the weekend. And also don't forget on Easter Sunday, it is three services for that one. So please make sure you reserve your spot for you and your family so we have that all locked in. Amen. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been on this topic talking about quenching the Holy Spirit. For two weeks, we discussed how dishonor can quench the Holy Spirit. And last week, Pastor Eddie began to unpack how temptation can lead to disobedience, or rather, when we flirt with temptation, it can lead to disobedience. And ultimately, that disobedience can quench the Spirit of God in our lives. I want to read a portion of Scripture to you from Paul. He wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. 
He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That word admonish means to correct. The people who are over you, who labor above you, and those who correct you. He asks that you respect those people and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. So he's now talking to the body of believers within the church. It's also bring direction to those who aren't doing anything. Those who are being idle. Why? Because in idleness, we are susceptible to temptation. That's the importance of being active in our faith. Right? Because think about it. Like when you're trying to be disciplined with something, like you're like, I'm trying my best not to eat bad. But you just sitting at home on the couch and you walk past that donut. You're like, I'm going to leave that donut alone. And you walk past it again. You're like, I'm just going to break a piece. That's how we fall. <laughs> so we want to be active. So Paul's encouraging them. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. That's the part that we don't necessarily like. Like, how come I can't just tell them one time and be over? I sent them a text, right? I gave them a heart emoji on that thing. Be patient with them all because everybody is progressing, but we're all progressing at different speeds. Two steps forward and one step back is still one step forward. So we wanna be able to be patient with those in their journey. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. It doesn't say do good to just your family, do good to only your friends, do good to only people who think like you, who act like you, who believe like you. It says do good to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word, which is for our teaching, correcting, and training us in righteousness. We thank you for your spirit, which is given to us as an advocate to help us live holy and empower us will for our lives here on earth. We'll have everlasting life. We pray that today we continue to grow in wisdom, we grow in humility, and we grow in love. We thank you so much. Felt like he was taking me back to Baptist church. I was in my zone, ah, it was about to happen. <laughs> we don't know, we don't know, we're going to see what's going to happen. Disclaimer, I did not write this message about anybody in this room. Disclaimer, this is not about you. 
but it might be about you. Another disclaimer, I am unapologetic when it comes to the word of God. This house, Restoration Life, is unapologetic when it comes to the word of God. We are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are unashamed to be Christians and born again. We understand that we were in need of a savior, that he came down and he rescued us. We will preach the truth with love and grace always. But I will never apologize for what is inside of this. This is the word of God. And today we're gonna get into it. I, I, I'm, I'm in my fight mode, I'm telling you, I, I feel it. And I'm, I'm excited, at the same time, I'm, there's like a righteous anger in me when it comes to this message. Just because I'm tired of watching the enemy attack those that I love and that we care about. So today, we're gonna kick the devil in the teeth. Today, we're gonna kick the devil in the teeth. As I mentioned, we've been discussing quenching the Holy Spirit the last couple of weeks, and we left off last week talking about a particular person who was a judge over Israel. We know that the judges were in authority before the kings were, and the particular judge we were talking about last week was a man by the name of Samson. We know that Samson has superhuman-like strength that God had given him so long as he protected the covenant that he had with God. The rule was that Samson could not cut his hair. And I want everybody to understand this and make this clear. It was not that the hair had superpowers. Right? He didn't have like a magic wig or like that horror movie that came out, that weave movie where it was just killing people. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it is a thing on Hulu. <laughs> but it was nothing magical about the hair. God chose his hair as a medium to work the covenant through. This is my agreement with you. Your gift is contingent upon you retaining your hair and upholding the covenant. Obviously, I didn't have that covenant with God. That's why I have a different covenant. For some, <laughs> I was trying to make it through without laughing at that, but. <laughs> For some time though, Samson, he never gave up the secret to his power. He did good at protecting that, but he kept flirting with it. He kept on flirting with it, kept leaving himself in this environment, which was a recipe for a disaster. Instead of separating from Delilah and protecting his covenant outright, he chose, I'm gonna get as close to this edge as I possibly can. Because I wanna enjoy the pleasure of my power and enjoy the lustful desires of my heart and try my best to pretend like I'm obedient to God. That's where Samson found himself. He tried to have his cake and eat it too. He had quote unquote fallen in love with Delilah. And he couldn't resist her and he couldn't get away from her. And as a result, he jeopardized the true purpose that God had for his life. When you flirt with the temptations, you will put your purpose in jeopardy. Everybody understand that? Now let's, at this point though, let's just remember, Samson had just flirted with the line. 
He hadn't crossed it. But, but, I want everybody to see this. Flirting with the line already shows a degradation in character. When you're already ready to walk up to it that close, there's already something wrong going on inside. We just haven't acknowledged it yet. And we've all been there. We've all been there when we got a little bit too close from the fire. Here's what I want you to know. This is when you need to reach out. This is when you need to seek God. This is the best time to do it. But here's what's dangerous about the flirt. Often we have success with the flirt. We have success. And with success comes confidence that you can do it again and again and again and again. Because you haven't felt the sting yet. You haven't had to deal with consequences yet. So you keep on flirting. Because nothing happened, I'm all, I'm all right, I'm okay, I'm good. Every single time, and that's what happened to him. You know what it's like? It's like, so last year I converted my garage into a gym, right? And so it's not really a kid-friendly environment inside of a gym. You know, there's heavy metal, sharp edges, there's weights in there, and it's just not a place where kids should play around. My kids don't care. My kids think it's their playground. They come in there, they're jumping off the bench, they're trying to pull my like resistance bands and stretch them all the way across the room and they're like leaning back and popping up and leaning back and popping up. Abigail takes my TRX, it's like these two straps that have handles and she thinks she's one of those like sheet ballerinas where she puts her feet in and she's swinging and spinning. Dominic's climbing up on top of the punching bag, not like just punch the bag or kick the bag, no, I'm gonna climb on top. And I tell them, Stop it, get down, put that down, that's heavy. You're going to get hurt. Now, I'm not the kind of parent, I'm not a hover parent that's like trying to safeguard and protect and push everything away. Now when they're really little and they can't make rational decisions, then sure. But my kids are fully aware of what they're doing. They just don't care. <laughs> they fully know. And so I tell them, you're going to get hurt. Stop. But what happens? They jump off of something and they land. And then they look at me and they're like, you were wrong, Dad. I am perfectly fine. And I want to kick them across the room. Man, I wish you would have failed. Because <laughs> it makes you mad. They're just doing it over and over again. They're looking at you like, thought you said I was going to get hurt. Thought you said I was going to get hurt. Mm. <laughs> It's like, okay, okay, but they keep flirting with it. And they get more and more confidence. Then what do they do? They go to a bigger stunt, a bigger stunt. Then one day, I'm like on the computer, they're in the behind me, and they're playing. I told them to stop already. Then you hear that sound. You know that long cry where like they don't even say nothing for like, Knock their whole soul out their body. <laughs> and they come to me. And I go, what happened? I hurt myself. Now, a lot of you guys would think I'm the kind of parent, like, oh, it's okay, baby. It's okay. 
What did I tell you? <laughs> I told you you would get hurt. And what happened? I got hurt. What did you learn? Don't jump off that thing. Okay. <laughs> Give me a hug. Go get some ice. They had to learn. And I'm a firm believer. After I've told you already, and I warned you, and I try to give you wisdom, life is going to be your best teacher. That's my kids. I'm like, well, how come you didn't step in and try to stop them? No, nope. some lessons are better learned. They had a great understanding between physics, gravity, and biology in one instance. <laughs> Stuff I couldn't have taught them, but life did. See, and this was what Samson was going to experience because he was flirting so much with his temptation, with his desires, that he didn't think there was going to be any consequences. But after a certain point, once all the warnings have been given, if we choose not to listen and heed the warning, there comes a time where God is going to leave us to our consequences. And that's where we pick up in the story. Let's go to Judges chapter 6, verse 15. I mean, Judges 16, verse 15. I'm sorry about that. Judges 16, verse 15. Delilah said to Samson, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have lied to me these three times. You have not told me the secret of your powerful strength. She asked him day after day until his soul was troubled to death. So he told her all that was in his mind. He said to her, my hair has never been cut, for I have been a Nazarite to God from the time that I was born. If my hair is cut, my strength will leave me. I will become weak and be like any other man. Delilah saw that Samson had told her the truth. She sent and called the leaders of the Philistines saying, Come once again, for he has told me all he knows. So the leaders of the Philistines came to her, and they brought the money in their hands. She made Samson sleep on her knees. Then she called for a man to cut off the seven parts of Samson's hair. She began to hurt Samson, and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as I have at other times. I will shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. The trap that Samson, like many of us get caught in, is he had a desire that was outside the will of God. That's what it was. He had a desire outside the will of God. In addition to that, he also had an internal need to be a people pleaser. Samson had this thing about him where everybody had to love Samson. Everybody got to like Samson. I got to feel people's love for me. I got to know that I'm in the in crowd. I got to know that I am accepted. That's a real struggle that people have where there's a need to be accepted. And it might not be by the whole world or anything like that, but you're looking for acceptance from someone in such a way that it compromises your integrity with God. 
And how we see this, how we know that this was Samson's struggle, if you go back to Judges chapter 14, you'll see that Samson was married before to another Philistine woman. woman. Her name was Timnah. And a similar situation came about where she wanted information from Samson, and she asked him a bunch of times. He kept telling her no, and she hit him with that thing. You don't love me. You don't love me. If you love me, you would tell me. Some of us, we hear this in our lives. If you love me, you would sleep with me. If you love me, you would hide this for me. If you love me, you would keep this a secret. If you love me, you would go here with me. You would do this or that with me if you love me. And some of us, we fall for it. Because we're yearning for that acceptance back. We're yearning for that love coming back to us. And I know this was something that I, had, I myself had to overcome, trying to make everyone happy. Something I thought I could do. What I realized, though, it wasn't so much that I was trying to make everyone happy, but I was looking for the approval of other people. I was looking for people to validate me, to put a value on me. And because I was looking so much for that, I compromised. I fell into alcohol addiction. I fell into drug addiction. I fell into fornication, pornography. I mean, just the gamut of sinful things that I got into because of the real heart condition. You see, with most of our sinful issues, we tend to only deal with the symptom. We think our pornography addiction or our lust addiction is simply just that and never realizing it comes from a deeper issue. So what do we do? We try to go home and we try to will ourselves through it. I can overcome this, I can beat this, I'm not gonna watch this, and that's it. And then like a week later, you're back to it. With our struggle when it comes to like anger or gossip or lying, I, I can beat this, I can overcome this, I got this. And then some juicy information comes around us and we're back in it again. Why? Because we never deal with the root issue. We only deal with the symptom, and the symptoms come back every time you're in that environment again, every single time, until you get down to the root and are willing to extract it out. Often when we look at our sin, we only deal with the symptom, we do not get down to the root cause. As a result, they keep coming back. So, and I want you guys to know this, these symptoms kept coming back even after I was in church, I was going to church every single Sunday, going to Bible study all the time, midweeks all the time. I even got on the worship team. I was there. I was part of it. I was all the way in. I'm thinking like, everything's great right now, going good. But in my private life, I was doing something completely different. When I got away with my friends, I was doing something completely different. My mind would be in a completely different place. And you guys are like, well, how can you live this double life? The reason I lived this double life because I only dealt with the su- uh, surface level things. I only dealt with the symptoms. I never got down to the root. I never got down to the root because I was too afraid to expose them. And the reason why I was too afraid to expose them, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me if I tell them? I can't tell them that. But here's what happened. The, the temptation and the desires that I kept flirting with and I kept getting 
closer and closer to eventually caused me to stumble and it caused me to fall and it ended up being catastrophic to my life where I almost lost everything, everything. One of my most regrettable moments in life is having to look my wife in the eye and tell her what I have been doing and seeing the pain and the hurt that I had caused her. One of the hardest things I had to do was look myself in the mirror and realize that I had drifted so far away from God because of my own choices. But I can tell you too, church, it was also one of the most liberating things in my life when I came clean and honest about it. When I was able to expose it all and lay it down before God and allow Him to fully transform me and for me to see where the root was and allow Him to deal with it. But that catastrophic collision, I had to deal with the consequences, much like Samson was about to deal with. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. The Philistines took hold of him and cut out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and tied him with brass chains. Samson was made to grind grain in the prison. Samson was now a prisoner, eyes gouged out, bound and changed, and forced to labor like an animal. Tragic, right? Remember, in the past, with the presence of God on him, he could slay over a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And now he would be made to do the labors of a donkey. He was a victim of his own choice. He ignored the warning signs. He ignored the covenant on his life. And he decided that pleasing people and pleasing himself was more important than pleasing God. And truth be told, church, it really is that simple. The reason why we flirt with that sin so much, we flirt with that temptation and eventually end up falling into it because we're more concerned about our own pleasure and pleasing others than being obedient to God. That's as real as I can say. And I know this isn't a touchy-feely message. I know this isn't like the one that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But this is what we have to deal with. We have to be able to address this. The church... For whatever reason, the modern church is like a scared to talk about sin. We're scared to bring it up. We don't want to, don't go that route. Everything, just talk about the love and the grace and all those things that feel good. And they are good. They're beautiful things. But we can never get the fullness of them until we deal with the elephant in the room, which is sin. And the reason I bring it up, the reason Pastor Eddie brings it up is because we love you guys so much. And we're tired of watching the devil get a hold of you and hold you down. We're tired of people having to come to church with these smiles that aren't real because inside you're wounded and hurt. We're tired of people who are just broken and we are ready to go and fight for you. And the way we fight for you is with the word of God. That is our sword. So today I'm drawing my sword on the enemy since he cannot have our church. What the devil will do, he'll start to put things in your ears and try to convince you that it's not your responsibility. That the sin that you deal with and the temptation that you deal with is not because of you. And what do we do? We buy into that because it feels better on us. Nobody likes responsibility. But we want to grow from responsibility to ownership. I don't 
want to have to get caught up in my stuff before I bring it forward. I want to be able to go first and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. Can you help me? Can you guide me? Know who you are and take ownership over those failures. That's the way you grow. None of us are perfect. I'm standing here today telling you guys all my scars. I'm being as transparent as I can, telling you I'm here today, a pastor with a beautiful family, an amazing blessing from God, but I got a lot of scars. But you know what scars remind me of? That I've been healed. And the only way for me to get healed was for me to get real. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed by them. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You cannot use this excuse, well, God made me like this. This is just how I am. God knows my heart. You cannot use those things. All it's going to do, it might make you feel good for the season, but the reality is, at some point, you're going to stand before God. And he's going to say to you, depart from me, for I do not know you. And I say this to you with as much love as I can, because I don't want to see anybody separated from God. This is the biggest warning shot across the bow that we can give. This is real. We have to talk about sin. We have to talk about the reality of hell. It is real, because if we don't tell the truth in it, how do we know what to be obedient to? Hell is a real place. It is complete and eternal separation from God, dwelling only in darkness, tormented for eternity, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a real place, but none of us have to be there. Not one person does God want to be there. He went to the cross, he sent the son to the cross, Jesus, so that none shall perish. But everyone have eternal life. And it's shocking to me that the church has become so timid in the face of sin. Where we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to bring it forward. We don't want to expose it. We just want to try to tuck it away and bury it and put it in corners and sweep it under the rug. And let's not bring it up. And that's exactly what the devil wants. You're alone. You can't tell them. You can't expose it to them. You can't be real, don't, 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 don't show it there. They'll kick you out of the church. This is what the church is here for. We're a hospital to the spiritually broken. But the devil will get a hold of your ego. He'll, he'll put a title out in front of you. He'll put a, a responsibility, a gifting and all this stuff. Like They'll take away all this stuff. You don't want to lose all of that stuff. I give it all to Jesus. I give it all to Jesus. That's what Paul was trying to teach them. If we look back in, the, in Thessalonians, he said, 
admonish the idol. We should be correcting each other. But you bring truth with grace and love. We should not just watch people destroy their lives and not speak up. I'm like, oh, well, that's them. You're going to really just watch people destroy their lives and not say anything? You know what the church has gotten like? It's like we're on a cruise ship, right? And cruise ship is fun. We're all having a good time. And we know we're going a great place. And it's like, yeah, this cruise ship is awesome. And then you got people down in their rooms and their rooms are flooding because there's holes in the ship. And they're just standing there. They're like, my ship, my room is flooding. I don't think I should tell anybody because they're all having a good time and uh, I don't want to ruin the trip. You know, yeah. I'm going to just go up and join the party. And then there's like all these rooms below the decks and they're all flooding and the ship is sinking, but nobody wants to say anything. Like, no, we don't want to ruin the party. We're having fun. The ship is going down. You're not going to make it to your destination. It is better that we stop the party and stop everything and save the ship. We do it by working together, by working collectively. But what's also important in this, in order for us to be able to be transparent with one another and be able to correct one another and heal one another, then we also cannot take what people tell us and use it as gossip against them. We cannot abuse people and condemn people when they're trying to be honest with us. Because that's not how Jesus was with us. That's not how corrective action is. So when I correct my kids and they fall and they hurt themselves, I lift them back up. I make sure they understand what happened. I love on them and I take care of them. I don't just step over them like, told you not to do it, stupid. <laughs> Get this blood off my floor. Like, no. <laughs> Go post this on the gram, watch me. When we choose our pleasure over God's purpose, the power and the gifts that the Holy Spirit provides leaves us. And we are unable to help lead people to the love of God. You cannot keep doing that thing that you tried to hide in the dark and think that the power of God is still going to dwell inside of you. You will lose that gift. You will lose that ability. You will lose that power. God gifted Samson with incredible strength, but he often abused it, using it to show off rather than bring God glory. And he had to learn the hard way that the Lord can give it and the Lord can take it away. That's what Samson had to learn. And you know, today we just walk, I see so many Christians walking around with these chains of shame on them. I see so many Christians walking around with this fragmented faith and this sting of defeat upon them. But that's not what God wants for us. You know, I, I hear this thing where we, we say, I'm struggling with. People who say, I'm struggling with this. But God wants to give us victory over. He wants you to have victory over that thing. But you cannot have victory to it until you're willing to lay it down and bring it out and put it before and say, this has no power over me. It cannot control me. It is out of my life. It is out of my family. The devil hates when you shine the light on his plans and on his antics. But I'm tired of them. 
tired of him. I'm tired of him having people bonded and broken. I'm tired of him attacking the church and it's fragmented because of it. We tear down those lies. We tear down all those things that the enemy tries to encapsulate us in. We know that we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We know that it's victory in him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Because even in our failures, God does not abandon us. So even though Samson had a fall, God didn't abandon him. He took his spiritual gifts from him, but he did not abandon him. Watch this. We'll see how everything comes full circle. Judges chapter 16 verse 23. It says the Philistines were happy. They said, our God has given us Samson, the man who has fought against us. The people praised their God when they saw Samson. They said, our God has given us the one who fought against us, destroyed our country, and killed many of us. After the people had much to drink, they said, bring Samson here so we can have some fun with him. So they called Samson out of prison and made fun of him. They made him stand between two stone pillars. That, were held, that held up the building. Samson said to the boy, and I remember Samson was blind. He had his eyes removed. Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, let me feel the tall pillars that hold up the building. I want to rest against them. Now the building was full of men and women. All the leaders of the Philistines were there. And there were about 3,000 people on the roof looking down and laughing at Samson. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I beg you, remember me. Give me strength only this once, oh God, so I may now punish the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two center pillars that held up the building. He pushed against them with his right hand and with his left hand. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his strength so that the building fell on the leaders and all the people in it. He killed more at his death than he killed in his life. Then his brother and all those of his father's house came and took him. They brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Estel in the grave of his father Manoah. Samson had ruled Israel for 20 years. See, God had departed from Samson's with the gifting, but God never left him. He never abandoned him. And even through Samson's disobedience and fall, the purpose that God had for his life was still fulfilled because Samson called upon the name of the Lord. We know that was Samson's purpose because of what we see in Judges 13. Judges 13.5, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And as it said in scripture, the leaders of the Philistines were there. And when he called upon the name of the Lord, and he was finally surrendered his pleasure, he finally surrendered it all, his strength returned. He was able to fulfill the purpose that God had for his life. There has to come a point where we realize we need God. We have to realize that. You cannot overcome your sin by yourself. 
It was never intended for you to do it that way. You cannot think just because I stopped watching, I stopped looking, I stopped calling, I stopped texting, I stopped going out, I stopped hanging out. Just because I chose to stop these things, that that will be sufficient. Until you draw near to God and call upon his name and his power within you, can you be transformed by the renewing of your heart and the renewing of your mind. Allow him to get down to the root of the issue so that way that can be restored. Whatever was broken inside of you can be restored. Take ownership over the relationship that you have with Jesus. It's time for the church to say, I'm done struggling with. I claim victory over. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But God is the one who gives us power over sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we give him thanks for this. God gives us the power over sin. When we turn from our way and we trust in God's way, he's always there to receive us with open arms. When you're willing to come before him, say, God, this is all of me. I, I, I'm naked right now. I'm exposed right now. But this is who I am and this is what I've been going through. The most liberating thing in my life as a Christian was the day I was able to be open and honest. The day I was able to finally tell the truth. And no longer was it a secret. No longer could anybody use it as a weapon against me. See, what the devil tries to do, he tries to place your value on earthly things and say if you lose those things you have no meaning and no purpose so you can't say a word but God loves us anyway we have to value our relationship with the Father we have to know that we are His child we have to know that we are His champion that we are here on earth to fulfill a greater will and a greater purpose than any of us can ever imagine but we have to value that and it has to mean something to us so that we fight for it and we contend for it. I'm no longer having these prayer cries anymore with, I can't, I can't, I can't. I claim victory over my life. I claim victory over my family. I cast the enemy out. Satan, you have no place here. You cannot speak to my family this way. I will not let you win. The Bible tells me that it's the church that tears down the gates. It is the church that tears down the gates. The Bible tells me to equip myself with my armor, to carry my shield, to carry my sword. I stand ready to fight against any enemy that comes against those I love. You gotta be vigilant about your relationship with God. It is time that we claim victory. We claim victory over sin. We're not bound to it anymore. We're not in those chains anymore. We have been set free. We are 